is a different understanding of what pregnancy birth actually means to the pregnant woman and what it is for the doctor. I've lived here so many years and I've never heard that. There is proof, scientific proof, that a positive pregnancy and birth experience leads to healthier mother-baby relationships. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Carmen, and I'm a certified breastfeeding counselor. And I'm Ruth Green, an international birth doula. And this is the Having a Baby in China podcast. Reminder, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. The views expressed here are the personal opinions of individuals and do not necessarily reflect any official stance or recommendation by having a baby in China. Hey, Ruth, welcome. Hi, Jacqueline. How you doing? I'm good. We are in the same room. I know. It's exciting. <laughs> Celebrating Chinese New Year together as families. It's yep. been a while. There's a uh, 13 of us in in your what? apartment right now. <laughs> well, not at this moment. We had to kick everybody else out. Yeah, They're too noisy. Okay. Hey, yeah. So today we have a guest. Hey, Andrea, how are you? Hello. Good morning. I'm good. Yes. Hey, thanks so much for being with us. Can you just introduce yourself to to us and our listeners? Tell us a little bit about you and what you do, where you are, and who's in your family. Yeah, sure. I'm Andrea. I'm originally from Germany, but I have been in China for more than 18 years now. I first came for a gap year after school. And during that time, I met my now husband. So the gap year became kind of permanent. <laughs> <laughs> I studied East Asian science with focus on China, including okay. Chinese wow. language and Southeast Asian politics. Sounds complicated and it's actually awfully boring. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for a German-based test institute as a technical editor and later as department manager for more than 13 years. But today I'm a certified birth doula, a water birth practitioner, and I'm offering support during pregnancy. So this could be just coaching, childbirth preparation classes, um, company to maternity checkups, translation, birth company, and also postpartum support to new moms and dads. And of course, I'm a mom myself. I have mm -hmm. four children. So, okay. So I'm guessing since you met your husband here, did you give birth to all four of your children here in China? Yes. All my children were born in China and also all maternity checkups and the postpartum checkups okay. all in China. Yes. How old are your children? Hannah, the biggest one is 10. Um, okay. Because eight, and then I have twins that are four and a half. Hmm. I have an Anna and a Lucas. So my first and second are oh, so yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been popular names back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lucas, Hannah, actually, still very popular in Germany. Yeah. So how you came to China studying like politics and. And language, how did you transition from that to birth work? Yeah, actually, that's a, a long story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've got time. Yeah. <laughs> the short version is that because of missing individual supports during my pregnancy and unacceptable treatment, 
during maternity checkups. I decided to give birth in Shanghai, not in Ningbo, but the labor was statistically fast. <laughs> and I gave birth on the way to Shanghai in our car on a service area. <laughs> so it was not quite what we planned. For the second a child, we went to Shanghai earlier and stayed in a hotel and did sightseeing and waited for labor. And then labor was actually quite fast, just like the first one, but it was incredibly painful because mm. after breaking my waters, the baby slipped down, let's say in an unfavorable position. So his face was up, face, facing up, um, what we call OP presentation or sunny side up. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. And and the doctor tried to turn him with every contraction. So that was very awful. Mm, yeah. And after this experience that I had myself, I decided to support other expert moms in Ningbo, finding a doctor and finding a birthing hospital, and then to be able to give more professional advice and not only sharing my experience I took then doula classes and mm. certified as a birth doula. So you certified as a birth doula in yes. between before you had the twins? Yes. Right. Oh, okay. Because I actually worked full time and I had the two kids. The doula work was more like a, on a volunteer thing, a hobby <laughs> in the first years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, but since 2020, I run now. A pregnancy support center mm. in Ningbo and don't work full-time at the testing institute anymore. So Andrea, you had kind of three really different births, I feel like. Do you yes. feel like that played into your role in helping people advocate for themselves? Yeah, the experience I had with my first two pregnancies, mm -hmm. not only the birth, but also all the maternity care I had before the birth was the trigger and then, of course, the, the car birth in particular that I said to myself, I do not want any other expat woman in Ningbo experiencing similar. Mm. So by the time my second one was born, WeChat was coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There were more and more groups. And so we started a group in Ningbo in 2014. So it was then very easy to connect and also have other pregnant women in this group, of course. And it, it then started asking, where do I find a hospital for maternity mm -hmm. checkups? Where is a good, good place to give birth? And this is where I started then to provide information and to offer help. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely the first two births. But then because I had the doula training in between and so much more insights and knowledge and, of course, the experience, it helped me then a lot to advocate for my twin birth. I, I had a totally different approach to that birth than I had to my first two births. And this was really a learning by doing thing. Mm. It showed me, it taught me so much that I today, of course, use to, in my trainings and to talk to, to other pregnant moms to, to let them know what is actually possible when you are getting active. You take things into your hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is so much possible, but you need to do something. You need to be active. I really want to ask you about your twin birth, but I know we're like, don't have time. <laughs> another, <laughs> we'll have her on again. Yeah. You need another <laughs> birth story podcast. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Can you just talk a little bit about what is advocacy and how someone can advocate for themselves in pregnancy and delivery. 
Yeah, so with regard to pregnancy and birth, I'd say it's that a mother-to-be expresses her views and wishes and is able to stand up for them. So that means that she's able to question, to doubt, to raise doubts, to get answers to these questions and to then make informed decision in her own personal best interest. Yeah. And then it would could also be that a supporter, it could be a husband, her, her partner, a doula or a best friend, a birth partner, that takes takes the role of, of an advocate for her when she is not able to advocate for herself because contractions are too strong or she's getting nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it could also be not not herself, but she could also have somebody with her to support her with this, to help her advocate for her and yeah. um, make sure that her interests are heard. Yeah, so being here in China and having women advocate for themselves, having other people help advocate for them, how do you see it's different in China versus maybe in other parts of the world? Mm-hmm. So in general... I think we, we need to look at two two sides. One is the pregnant woman and mm-hmm. um, on the other side, the medical stuff. And then we need to understand that um, there is a different education system in China than compared to Western Europe or to the US or Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here, parents or grandparents are more, more the decision makers for their children so from small children are more in a passive role and their pathway is kind of made <laughs> up by the older generations mm-hmm. and then the school system is also similar it's teacher-centered teaching so students repeat and they memorize they would just follow while in other countries for example in, in germany you would be encouraged to have an own opinion on a topic or um, yeah. or re- reflect on a situation um, like this what if scenarios mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in china people in general of course not it cannot be generalized to to all people but um, still mm-hmm. um, it's uh, that they depend on other people's arrangement in in a lot of things yeah and with pregnant women uh, you see that very clearly they they follow blindly through doctor's appointments and listen to the doctor for example if if the doctor says you need a c-section they would say okay i have a c-section yeah they wouldn't yeah. question they wouldn't ask why the doctor comes to this mm-hmm. conclusion and w- if there is any um, options so when i tell local women about my birth experience or that there is something like a birth plan birth wish list they are actually surprised. They are not really aware of that there is other possibilities. But then on the other side, you have the doctors and midwives, and they are trained that they do things in a specific way. Yeah, yeah. The bit what I mentioned um, that they they have like they have that checklist. So in this situation, you do this, and in that situation, you do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a very clear protocol. And they're used to everybody going along with that too. Yes. 
Of course, because you as the patient are coming and I'm you're telling me this what to do. That's yeah. this is my role, that's your role, and this is how we work. When everybody stays in their roles, it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I, I had an example. I had a heated discussion and, and not only once, but again and again, with doctors and midwives about clients who want to choose the birthing position really mm, yeah yeah and um, the hospital staff usually insists on the mother being reclined back position right mm-hmm. and then lack spread and then the discussion goes back and forth back and forth and the result is that they do not really have a reason why they do it it's just it's simply they are trained yep yeah to only this one position they are not trained to deliver a baby with the mom squatting or on all fours and then additionally to that they are not trained and they, they don't feel comfortable in trying something new or trying something different because they would regard this as not safe yeah yeah but i need to maybe add that the passive moms are not only in china i i mm. see that mm-hmm. so for yeah. sure yes mm-hmm. I had a client, for example, who grew up in Bulgaria, and this was also like a socialist system where mm. she grew up, where you didn't learn to have your own idea, to have your individual mm. needs. Yeah. So she really struggled with this when I asked her, so what do you want? She really struggled with this, oh, I I can actually, you know, raise a wish. I can. She she really struggled with that. So it's more like the, the environment where, where people grow up and not really China specific and you also see birth workers hospital stuff in other countries in Germany we have the, the health system was changed a few years ago and and since then we have less and less midwives so maybe one midwife at the hospital needs to be there for five six seven women at the same time yeah and they can just not give the support or, or support in a way yeah. they, they could if they had time um, for and, sure different different approach and then you just do the minimum and you follow the protocol i want to say also that it's a lot of work i think to inform yourself and to research and to know the options and it's in some ways easier in some respects at different periods of time to just go along whether it's in the u.s or whether it's here or germany it's much easier to just be like well i'll just i'll let the doctor do it yeah you know, that's what they studied for 10, 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, my personality is a go with the flow yeah. and whatever the reasons it is that I'm like that, I don't know, but I mean, I could explore, but I definitely am much more okay with you tell me what to do. Then I don't have to decide because yeah. there's, I don't like having to make all these decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. So you just tell me. And that's okay. But I will say, like, as I had more and more babies and I experienced different things, I was less and less okay with, okay, I experienced that. I didn't like that. I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what I always find funny about myself is that as a doula, I have no problem speaking up on the behalf of my client or encouraging them to do more research or to read this or, you know, to explore their feelings and things. But then when I was ever in labor, I found it very difficult to speak up and ask for something. Like Mm -hmm. for some reason, most of us have this innate desire to be seen as 
the good, the cooperative, mm-hmm. the go with the flow patient. Mm-hmm. And I, that's very much my personality. I mean, it's harder for you yourself, but yeah. I mean, I know for me and my husband, we're we're, um, I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram, but <laughs> we're nines and conflict avoiders and, you know, peacemakers. So to go into the hospital and be like, no, go against or anywhere really to be like, go against something like that would be conflict. And so we avoid. Yeah. So. I, I need to say that that in, 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 in general, I am also this kind of person when I mm. um, go somewhere i i do not want to um unreasonable bring trouble mm-hmm. um to to others it's a learning process i think so it's not related to birth and, and pregnancy but i booked a hotel and the website said they had a children's pool with warm water okay. mm-hmm. so yeah this is why i booked that hotel and not another one and we arrived at the hotel and the kids are excited and we want to go to the pool. I know where the story is going. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all done this. And we find a pool, but it's cold. The, the whole swimming center is cold. The water is cold and there is no extra pool for kids. And because it's not there, it's not heated, of course. Yeah. So the kids are disappointed. I'm getting angry. Yeah. And so in... Years back, I would just, you know, okay, you know, we go to the park or we find a playground, we do something else. But I knew there were there were other hotels with a pool as well. But you know, I, I decided for that one. So I finally decided. I go to the reception and ask them where that pool is, and I showed them their mm-hmm. website, and I couldn't find the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a response. So we were upgraded. The mm. children got mm. a play tent into the room. We got free mm-hmm. fruits and cake. From that day on, they treated us differently at the breakfast buffet. We didn't need to bring our <laughs> take our coffee. So that that was like a, like a a momento where I learned. Okay, you can actually speak up, and mm-hmm. you, you know you don't need to be rude or yeah. mm-hmm. like attacking. You don't have to throw yeah. a tantrum or yeah. scream or just. In the end, the receptionist was not responsible for the text in the internet advertising yeah. or saying there is a children's pool. So it was it was not her fault, but they handled it very well. So and from that yeah. moment on, I more and more learned to actually speak up when I see that things don't go right, or if you order something and you get a different product. And that really helped me with my twin birth as well, where I, there was this one doctor, she was really not nice. She came in and she shouted at me and wanted me to cooperate. And uh, I, I just had made a deal with the midwives. She didn't, she, knew, she, she never asked me about my well-being. Anyway, I kicked her out. She needed to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't ac- accept it. She made me tense and anxious, so she needed to leave. Yeah. And um, I think if we do it in a in an appropriate way, mm-hmm. we we need to mm-hmm. speak up yeah. and tell other people that this is this is something I do not want. Or, or can you do a little bit more of this? Yeah, yeah. It's a learning process. It's not all people. You know, some people are very they're doing that very naturally, mm-hmm. and others need to work on it. But it's something you can you can train, you can work on, you you can change and grow with. I do have a question. So like, 
I don't know. I have to think through how to ask or what, but I think, I mean, I think this is a very interesting topic for, because I've seen, and I know that you, Andrea and and Ruth, how important it is to be able to advocate for yourself. But like when you, especially in your first pregnancy and you do have this personality of just, just tell me what to do. I don't know. And like, but, and also you haven't ever experienced it. So you don't understand the, what you're missing like, out on or yeah like, or like even what you're, that, up. what you're going to feel on the other side yeah so yeah learning like how how to for these people who you know I didn't think I needed to do any of that like mm-hmm. I don't know I didn't this- with my first either actually I mean you had given birth before me Jacqueline and so I had a little bit of like your stories but I don't I just remember you saying you were a little bit scared for me because I was like, yeah, yeah, it's all going to be great. And you're like, I'm a little bit nervous, but I don't, I don't know that you were super passionate about yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. birth experience yet either. And so I very much just kind of went along with, well, skin to skin isn't done in China. Delayed cord clamping isn't done in China. Like, okay. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't do any of those things. I just mm-hmm. went along with it and baby came out and they you know, whisked her off to the other side of the room and cleaned her up, weighed her everything and brought her back to me as this big bundle of blankets with this teeny tiny little face. And then they want you to stay in that room for two hours for observation. And so it wasn't till, oh, they did actually try to help me breastfeed, Mm -hmm. um, but there was definitely no skin to skin or anything. And then I remember going back up to the room after those two hours and you were there with the milkshakes that I shouldn't have been drinking, <laughs> the cold drinks. But I remember saying to my mom, like, can I unwrap her? Like, can I take off the blankets? And my mom said, oh, I just realized you haven't actually seen the baby. Because my husband and my mom had gone over and seen mm-hmm. the baby as she was cleaned and everything. But they brought her as this big bundle to me. And yeah. so I remember sitting on the bed and just taking off the blankets and holding her, not this big bundle of blankets. But then when I had my second, somebody had gone before me. And I do mm-hmm. think there's a lot to be said for that. So somebody else in the city was pregnant and asked me about where I'd given birth. And she's like, do you think they would let me do delayed skin clamping? I'm sorry, <laughs> delayed skin clamping. <laughs> delayed, <laughs> delayed cord clamping and skin to skin immediate skin to skin. And I was like, I mean, you can ask. And so she did. And then she told me, oh, yeah, they said it was fine. And so then I knew kind of that I could. Yeah. And so I asked the same doctor, could I? And that gave me the confidence then to with my second birth, I talked about it with the doctor ahead of time. And a lot of this is, you know, depending on how much language barrier or whatever you have, that can be really hard. And then when I gave birth to my son or right before he came out, I said, you know, remember, I get to have him on my chest right away. And the doctor said, yeah, yeah, you know, and so they did. They went along. And so it was the same exact hospital, the same exact doctor, probably some of the same nurses and stuff. My husband there, everything was the same, except for I knew that there was a difference and I knew it could be done differently mm-hmm. without a lot of struggle. So I, I definitely think there's a lot to be said for somebody going ahead of you and mm-hmm. blazing the trail until we build yeah. our own internal confidence. But yeah. So Andrea, I, as we're talking about advocating for yourself, I hear that you have a, a story maybe about advocating for yourself and something about a pool and. <laughs> <laughs> 
diverse podcast. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think we missed um, one or two things. Yeah, I skipped ahead a little bit, but we're, we can totally go back. Yep. Yeah, so just not to forget about this. So we were talking about the differences or like China-specific yes. challenges. Mm. There's one more change or difference I want to share because it's I think it's it helps expat families to maybe understand a little bit more why doctors or midwives do or not do thing, certain things here. And that's the difference in the understanding of the meaning of pregnancy and childbirth. Mm, mm-hmm. So while in Europe or in, in the US, having children is mostly because the couple, so husband and wife or mm. wife and wife, decide to have a family. They want to start mm-hmm, a family. Mm-hmm. They have the child for them. Mm. And it's it's probably... It's, and, you know, it's often like an, an active decision mm-hmm. of two people that they want to have a child to start a family. And then pregnancy and birth becomes something like an event, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there is baby showers, there's gender reveal parties, <laughs> there's maternity photo shoots, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, event around mm-hmm. pregnancy and birth. And it's a very important and very dominant part of your life during that yeah. time yeah a celebratory thing like you've decided to do this and now we're you know we're celebrating this and excite yeah yes right and you would share right how many stories you have on youtube and yeah people are watching the belly growing and the baby being born and it, it yeah so while in, in china it's often still giving birth to grandchildren mm-hmm. it's it's more like a responsibility to take care that there is a next generation and a, a lot of couples decide to have a child not for them but to satisfy the demand of the mother-in-law for example who mm-hmm. says i want to hold a your panther right then pregnancy and birth kind of becomes a unavoidable medical event so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, there is no there is no baby without the pregnancy and the birth. Yeah. This, is, this is unavoidable. So the mother in some cases becomes more like a tool mm-hmm. to give birth to a grandchild. A means to an end. Yeah. So this this different understanding. And then for yeah. for a lot of maybe Western cultures, when we, we, we give birth, it's more um it's also something like a transformation. Thing while in China it's just that medical event that a baby leaves the body from the mother. Mm-hmm. So and the doctor's aim here is safety. That, that globally we want to be mom and baby safe. Yeah, yeah. But then here they are also look a lot on the safety of the hospital. They want to avoid lawsuits, mm-hmm. so they do not really risk things. So and now you have. Let, let's say me, like the German confident <laughs> woman who's very clear about what, what pregnancy means to her, that she wants to give birth actively. She wants to birth her child or children. And like it's a process for her, a transformation. And she meets that doctor who's just, it's just a medical event. And you're, you're like, your time according to protocol is exceeded. So that baby needs to mm-hmm. be out. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours ago, yeah, you are already not, <laughs> yeah. not not in the protocol. And then this this comes together. 
So this is happening so often here that there is a mm -hmm. different understanding of what pregnancy birth actually means yeah. to the pregnant woman and her partner and what it is actually for the doctor. So and to understand this also as a as the mom, it puts you in a better position when you discuss with them. Yeah. Like yeah, you can prepare arguments in, in, in another way. You know how to approach them. And having this understanding for the situation of the doctor, yeah, makes makes it easier to reach your aim actually. Yeah, that's such interesting insight. I've I've lived here so many years and I've never heard that. Thanks so much for, for sharing that and pointing that out. It's so I it things are clicking even now. Like Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things can be explained. Like when moms text me and say, "Oh, they were, they were so rude," and I said, "What what happened?" And often it's not the doctors were being rude. It's just sometimes it's a translation issue. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. it's, sometimes it's doctors that want to want to speak in English, but their level is just not as high, and then they use a vocabulary that is not as as precise. Yes. Know. Yeah, or abrasive. Very <laughs> abrasive. Here they often they use, did you fart? Did you fart after birth? Yeah. Did you fart? And like, what? Why you talk to me this way? Yeah. So they, yeah. No, you didn't release gas. But it's it's just a, it's not that they are rude. They just don't know a more sensitive word. Yeah. Um, I remember my doctor at the end of my second pregnancy saying, you need to stop eating. I was like... I'm pregnant. I can't stop eating. Like, <laughs> and then she kind of softens her look and she's like, well, you know, your weight gain was just a little bit higher. So maybe don't eat so much sugar, so much fruit. Mm -hmm. Like she, then she worked to kind of explain herself more. And it, it very much, I've said this to many different people that had this same doctor. Cause she was kind of like the one doctor who delivered a lot of people's babies here. I said, I mean, a lot of it comes down just to that translation. Like her English was okay. It was pretty good. But in those moments, she would say something and you just like, that was rude. Stop eating. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. A pregnant person can't stop eating. But working in that system of person to person to person, you be brisk, you be efficient, you say what needs to be done and you move to the next yeah. person. But then when I pushed back a little bit, then she softened and expressed herself a little bit better yeah and then and then there is the thing that in a public hospital a doctor has like 50 pregnant women yeah mm -hmm. during the outpatient time and they have like five minutes for them right and this this little time doesn't really allow them to spend a lot of time with every single mom to explain and to you know, be very sensitive with things. Yeah. So also timing is a thing. And then I think because they see so many pregnant women, so many issues for them are just daily business. Yeah. yeah. While for a, especially first time mom, and usually also during a second or third pregnancy, because every pregnancy is, is, is different, it's totally new and special. Yes. And also there we have this gap that, if the doctors could remember a little bit more that they are familiar with the situation, but the mom isn't, yeah. they are on totally different levels. But then also the pregnant mom being aware of this, the doctor sees that every day 
and if if they really don't bother spending more time on this with you then there is no issue if it really was an issue that needed treatment or more attention then they would tell you yeah so this is this is also important when you are here in china dealing with chinese doctors and midwives yeah so andrea why do you feel that it is so important that an individual be able to advocate for themselves yeah so i i think in general it's important to stand up for ourselves yeah um, and have a certain level of self-responsibility what kind of job we choose what kind of diet we eat Mm-hmm. what we need in a relationship or what we cannot tolerate yeah so so in general everyone should have a, a certain level of being responsible for oneself and stand up for this and when it comes to to pregnancy and childbirth there's actually a lot of reasons i i want to point out three the first is that pregnancy and birth concerns your own body mm. yeah in in my opinion every person has the right to decide what is happening with her body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We actually see women fighting a lot for her body in other situations. We have that Me Too movement mm-hmm. where we then start a discussion about can a f- male colleague hug a female? Just give her a hug. Mm. Is that a friendly guest gesture or is that already crossing a border? And mm-hmm. there is not that one answer, right? In, in lots of countries, there's the discussion about abortion and then decisions or laws are made and there's the discussion, who is actually responsible for the body yeah. of the woman? The woman herself or it's the doctor or is it the politicians? Yeah, who, who can make decisions over the body and then also about the fetus, right? But when it mm-hmm. comes to pregnancy and childbirth, a lot of women tend to become very passive. Yeah, about themselves, and then they just follow whatever their doctor says. So they allow, allow needles in their body for blood sam- taking blood samples or IVs for ultrasounds. They allow mm-hmm. a hand in the vagina for checks without questioning it. Yeah, I talk to a lot of women, and they they go through all this, but they de- they they do not understand why. Yeah, why do they check the blood pressure every time? They don't know. They just follow blindly through but actually any decision for or against a test or treatment or intervention needs consent and both Mm -hmm. ethically and legally yeah usually Mm -hmm. as every medical situation every hospital any procedure needs consent and you usually need to sign Mm -hmm. but and um, and it also needs an active decision made by the mother Mm -hmm. This doctors or can give advice, they can inform about risk benefits um, about a procedure, but the final decision is with the mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. then the second point is why I think it's so important. In my definition, pregnancy is the second phase of parenthood. Now, the first mm-hmm. one is where you in, in most cases, where you make the decision to have a child, this is the mm-hmm. first the first phase, and then you're pregnant, and this is so it's the second phase of parenthood. And from that moment on, the pregnant woman is not only taking responsibility for herself, but also for the baby. Yeah, 
this is part of the, the mattress since the, the change from being a woman to becoming a mother. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then it, it continues that after the birth, there is decisions to be made for the child on a, maybe in the beginning on an hourly base, because like, do I breastfeed every two hours, three hours or on demand? Mm-hmm. And I believe that we can only make the right decisions for others, for our child, when we are able to do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So advocating and standing up for us during pregnancies, it's also a little bit of training on, you know, mm. taking taking responsibility, not not only for ourselves, but also for that baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, the third point is that birth matters. In... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In different ways and, and, and on different levels. So, but one, the, the first one is that it, it really matters directly to an individual mom and her baby. Mm-hmm. And that already right after birth, there is proof, scientific proof, that a positive pregnancy and birth experience leads to healthier mother baby relationships. Yeah. And more more confident mothers and more satisfied babies. And I don't mean positive in terms of all goes well, mm-hmm. but as in we did the best we could in the given circumstances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah? Mm-hmm. Not every time everything goes well. But if you can be in charge of all times, being actively involved in decision-making leads then to less regrets. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of moms and first-time moms, um, similar to what you said, um, Rose, you just went went with it. And only after you started thinking, oh, but I could have asked this, I could have done mm-hmm. this. Um, and sometimes it's just small things and we can neglect it, but it could also be... Uh, other things that, uh, that that play a little bit more important role in how we are feeling. And if we are actively involved, we will not have this regret thinking or always this, but what if I had asked? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's especially important when things go differently from what the mother or also the, the dad or the, the, the partner mm-hmm. had in mind. If situations happen that weren't expected. So mm-hmm, that yeah. could be that could be something worse than expected. It could, but it can also be something that goes actually un- unexpectedly well. Mm-hmm. For example, a mom is expecting very long labor and she's actually prepared mm-hmm. to have an epidural, but then things go so fast that there's no time for an epidural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we and we can we can push this on higher levels then. And here research is still young. But there is proof, for example, that we look on the evolutionary change. Mm-hmm. That, for example, it seems that the ability of human beings to release oxytocin is decreasing hmm. in general. So with inducing labor or with the, the high rate of C-sections where you do not need to wait for the body to release oxytocin, it's just the system, the natural systems just overrun mm-hmm. when we look at from generation to generation the ability to release oxytocin is changing so on a lower level it's like that individual 
impact on every single mom with her baby. Yeah. But then there is, if we look a little bit further, that we impact the evolution. And then there is on a, then the next, next level is also spiritual functions that yeah. it seems we just try to understand in how far pregnancy and birth actually matter in the well-being of a person. Yeah. So, so there is proof, there's big studies, for example, of children that were born during the Second World War. They followed mm. them until they were 50, 60 years old, and they could see a relation between being born during the war to certain behavior or health conditions later in life. It's interesting. Yeah. It's you're saying, you know, I can see people learning to stand up and advocate for themselves in all these different areas. But then, yeah, there's there seems to be this disconnect to then when it comes to medical care that I can advocate for myself as opposed to, I think there's just not that we're not trained, we're not taught like both sides, like medical sides and like in society that. This actually is also still important to advocate for yourself and also on the medical side to encourage people to advocate for themselves because that yeah. actually makes it harder for them too. Like, I mean, yeah. in, in a way, you know, like, yeah, it's harder so. for a doctor sometimes to give the extra time to listen to the care and the thoughts and to change their way of doing things. Mm-hmm. I always think back to that doctor, like I said, same doctor for my two different births. And I remember reflecting on it. She was so okay with giving me skin to skin and delayed cord clamping. I was just thinking like, why didn't she do that for all of her clients then? Like if she knows that that is possible and okay to do. And I have always just felt like she was in that system and it was easier to just go along with what's always done. That's really interesting about the big studies. I love stuff like that. I love studying how one generation like something that happens, big events, and how they go down. And there's so many different factors. It's really, really hard to actually separate them out and know this cause that, you know, we have so much more correlation than causation and separating those two, it's really difficult to do. But I think more and more we are getting a picture of how how birth affects not just the individual, like not just in that moment. I've spent so much time thinking about how expensive birth is, Mm -hmm. like how much money it can cost somebody and how much would somebody be willing to pay to not have a difficult or traumatic experience. And part of it's that you can never guarantee that things will go the way that you want, right? So a lot of times people say, well, I paid a ton of money and I still had a traumatic birth, right? So we can't say, oh, pay more money and therefore you will get a better birth. But on the other hand, I I can also see the other side of it of like, well, I can just pay 5,000 RMB and suck it up for a day or two and then move on with my life, right? So I'll pay the cheaper price because it's one or two days out of my life. I'll suck it up. I'll deal with it. And then I'll move on and I'll have saved all of that money because money is important. And sometimes you just don't even have the funds to go to a hospital that might support you. On the other hand... I just more and more over the years believe in the power of a positive birth experience and how it's not just that one or two days, right? It's not just suck it up for a day or two, be tough, get through it. It'll be all okay. It's more than that. It affects you, it affects the baby, but then on a bigger level, 
it affects society. You know, there are studies that show that there's a significant portion of people that feel like they have trauma from their birth experience. Mm, Like an incredible proportion of society are walking around carrying this trauma, you know, and if we could somehow not have that trauma, if we could somehow build a society that puts importance on people having a good, positive, empowering birth. And I don't mean like you were saying, I don't mean they don't have cesareans. I mean that they come out of whatever birth experience feeling empowered and that they made the best choices and they were supported throughout it all how powerful that would be for society this is why this advocating for oneself and yeah being actively involved is so so important i Mm -hmm. was at a birth she was from the moment i met her like 28 weeks she was so she wanted a natural birth her eyes were shining she was so excited and we had this wonderful plan and then she she never went into labor she went to 41 mm-hmm. weeks and there was no contraction and she was on pitocin and there were no contractions <laughs> it yeah. just didn't work out but i was there all the time and then there was finally decision made to just have a c section to mm-hmm. there, there were no contractions <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. nothing helped really and so she had the C-section, but then they left the hospital and it was still, they were still feeling very encouraged and positive about yeah um, mm-hmm. and, and everything. So things can go wrong or <laughs> in, in a way mm-hmm. that you didn't want it to go. But important is that you felt that you were in charge um, mm-hmm. yeah. at all times and that you made the decisions and you were not put into a passive role and things just happened over your head yeah and then you start afterwards you start thinking but what if I said stop but what if I mm-hmm. didn't agree but if mm-hmm. you know yes and there is proof that the, the birth experience is impacting mothers and, and the children I had I had mm-hmm. a Chinese lady coming into my center she saw outside there's something related to, to birth and pregnancy. And, and we just talked and she told me how difficult it was for her to trust other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that she wasn't really able to have a relationship and things. So I'm not a psychologist. And I, at first I felt a little bit overwhelmed about this woman just mm-hmm. being so open. And she told me she had therapy mm-hmm. somewhere. So because I'm a birth worker, I ask her about her birth. <laughs> yeah. Because I just didn't know what else I could talk to her. Mm-hmm. And then she told me that, according to what was told her about her birth, she she was born at home. So many, many years ago in China, mm-hmm. people got also had home birth. She was born at home. And right after she was born, she dropped on the ground. Mm-hmm. She, she dropped off the, the bed. On the, onto the ground and I said did you ever say that tell this story to your psychologist because this mm-hmm. really sounds like you were just born and dropped on the ground and you, you know um, just imagine you drop down from somewhere you don't have a sense of direction and and just this is falling free and then boom <laughs> landing on on hard ground as a first experience in life of a, of a newborn baby, this is this is yeah. your welcome to to the outside. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe maybe this is this is the root of 
your anxiety and your disability to actually feel yeah. safe. Yeah. But she mm. never came back. Maybe she took this to her to her psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just about running out of time. Yes. Uh, we're about to yeah. have <laughs> the hordes come pouring in through the door. To wrap up, is there just a few practical steps that you could give mm -hmm. us and listeners to how you can advocate for yourself? Yes. So most importantly is that you're very well prepared. Mm -hmm. This this really really is important. Marie Curie once said, I, "I like this this quote. You don't have to fear anything in life. You just have to understand it." Mm -hmm. So the very first step is really to be well prepared. Mm -hmm. This could be to take childbirth classes. Mm -hmm. I usually recommend to take individual classes or private classes mm -hmm. because every woman is is different. Every situation mm -hmm. is is different. And so when I have clients, I mostly do one-to-one. -one. Mm -hmm. I always adjust the content to their specific situation and to their interest or to their fears or to their needs. So when some women already know a little bit about labor and birth, and then we can talk about more about her individual wishes. And others don't have any clue, so we start from zero. I'm aware that some people may not be able to afford this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then there's group classes that may be cheaper, uh, maybe then in combination with a single appointment with a doula or midwife to mm -hmm. specifically address some individual questions. I also do recommend that for second or third time parents, by the way, mm. as refreshment or as a reflection on an earlier birth. Yeah. So sometimes as things went bad at, at the first birth and it can be very helpful to reflect on that and then be prepared for the upcoming birth. Also consider the partner here, by the way, not only the mm -hmm. mom, because yeah. birth can be perceived very differently in the different mm -hmm. roles. So I, I had a couple where the mom still cried over the birth five years later. Mm. And the dad said, but everything went well. And we talked about it and we found actually medically the birth was totally fine. But mm -hmm. the mom felt very, very passive through mm. the whole process. So we worked on techniques to encourage her, to empower her, to be very active for the, mm. for the upcoming birth and to help her husband to understand that his view may be different but whatever mom says yes. is valid mm -hmm. and that he needs to support her so if she says i feel passive then he needs to come and help her mm -hmm. yeah so really be prepared have knowledge about birth about interventions complications really be informed know your individual situation when you have diabetes gestational diabetes understand what this means mm -hmm. for your pregnancy for your birth yeah, if you have fibroids, what does this mean for your birth? Sometimes mm -hmm. it's impacting, sometimes it can be neglected. Also, if you have any not necessarily pregnancy-related issues, be aware of that. For example, if you need to wear glasses, because otherwise mm. it's it's blurry, have, have this in mind. If you have other health conditions, consider this and raise this with your midwife or your doula so that you can consider that. Then the second step really is to reflect and figure out what you want and what you do not want. Mm -hmm. You know, we birth workers often talk about writing a birth plan, right? I prefer to say birth map. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. 
<laughs> Me too. Or a wish list. So um, the actual idea of having such a plan is not the plan itself, mm-hmm. but that you think about the different options and then make decisions. Yeah. And that you know very clear what your deadline is, mm. what you must have and what are your no goals. Yeah. So only if you're very clear about this, you can advocate for yourself, for your wishes. And then it's very important, in, in my opinion, to have uh, support teams mm-hmm. in, in different levels. So one is a support team for during pregnancy and after, so postpartum. This can, this can involve the whole family, friends. You can put, uh, participate in groups like mama circles or mm-hmm. support groups mm-hmm. for, for new moms. Then have a support for labor at home. So this it could also include more people than just your partner. Mm-hmm. It could also be family members. It could be a doula. It could be a best friend, whoever is yeah. really willing to, to support you. And then pick your support team for labor and birth in the hospital very wisely. Mm. Yes. It's always good to have a birth partner with you from outside uh, the hospital someone you can trust and someone who agrees, who is willing to support you. It's mm-hmm. not always necessarily the husband. It could also be your best friend or your mom or your doula. Yeah. Important is that this, this person is really into it and yeah. it agrees to advocate for you. And then also the hospital team. What what I did different with my twin birth than with the first two births was that I chose the team that was willing to support me mm-hmm. and not the hospital that said that they would have the best for me mm. so because i was so clear about what i wanted what i needed so i chose mm-hmm. very wisely which medical team was there to support me not the other way around yeah mm. right this is a very very important yes that's great. One of the things that I love the way you talk in just even in groups or written or spoken is you're very practical. You lay things out, you know, A, B, C, and it's not just all head knowledge, but it also has practical tips. So yeah, that was really great. Thanks for walking us through that. Yeah. I really appreciate you. We could talk some more and <laughs> we have enough content for <laughs> several and we could keep going so we, yeah. we will definitely need to have you back on and hear some more of you and really i encourage really every pregnant woman and their partners to to be creative and to be active and just to try things yes yeah for my twin birth i wanted water I, water for me is my number one pain relief method I never wanted an epidural. So I made sure that with with every hospital, I went to seven hospitals Mm -hmm. and asked them if they had a shower or bathtub or any kind of water source for me so that I could water. (laughs) And I I ended up in in a hospital. They actually didn't have the facility. They didn't have a shower or bathtub in the delivery room. Mm -hmm. But what was very nice is that the midwife tried to find a solution. Mm. So she, the other hospital said, no, we don't have a shower, so you cannot take a shower. It was a clear no-go, not possible. And this lady tried to, to make it happen. Mm. Yeah. So we talked a little yeah. bit 
she she was thinking loud about what possibilities there would be. So one possibility was to stay in the inpatient room as long as possible because there was a bathroom, right, and could shower there. Then she came up, they had an LDR room okay. mm. in the inpatient ward, so it was on the same level. So the other idea was to use this and inpatient room, LDR, and move back and forth. Yeah. And when, when I left that day, we were not at a solution yet, but then I suddenly came up with the idea to bring a pool. Mm. Like yeah. it's, it's actually very popular in, in the US for home births to have a pool, yeah. right? An inflatable pool. And I sent a message to her and I said, how about I bring a pool, like an inflatable pool, and we put water in there. And she answered, yes, sure. That's a great idea. So it, awesome. it really didn't took a long time and it was not, oh, let me think about it. She was yeah very excited about the idea. So I bought two or three pools from Taobao and pumped them up at home and tried them out mm-hmm. and brought a pool to the hospital. When I tell this story to other pregnant women, they get big eyes and they're surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was surprised as well. But, you know, this this midwife, very, very lovely midwife, she told me that, you know, if you don't if you don't come up with your with your questions, if you don't come up with your needs or your ideas, they will just follow protocol. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have the time and is to really individually like interview you about your true mm-hmm. needs. But the moment you come up with something, as long as it's in their safety zone, if they feel yes. comfortable with it, they are trying to help it. So be a little bit yeah, brave and you know the worst answer is it's really not possible but yeah there could be a yes or, or let's find a yeah. solution yeah. to this so really encourage you to speak up yeah well you yes. mentioned that you do classes yes. and I know you do some virtually and and if people want to just hear more whether it be through a class or a chat with you one-on-one whatever uh how could somebody contact you uh, you can send me an email or connect at WeChat. Okay. You can share the uh, email address and WeChat contact. Okay. So we will put that in the show notes. So if you're interested in talking more with Andrea, and of course we'll have her on the show again. Yeah. (laughs) There's just too much to cover. Make sure you check those show notes and get down her email address and shoot her a note. So, well, thanks again, Andrea, for being with us. And thank you for having me. Thanks, Jacqueline. Thank you. All All right. right. Thank you. Bye. Till next time. Until next time. (laughs) Oh, Nathan's going to love us for this editing one. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Kidding. It'll be great.